Hey, it's producer Daniel from The Dive Table. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about our dive clubs. If you enjoy what Nick and Jay bring to The Dive Table every week, then I would ask you to consider joining one of our exclusive, all-inclusive dive clubs. Bringing you this content every week does take time and energy, and just like any other item on the market, it requires upfront costs. Lucky for us, we're not in the market of mass production because we only create one product, the dive table. With your support, however, we can start to bring exclusive content to the dive table that we wouldn't otherwise be able to accomplish. Interviews with legendary scuba divers such as Mike Galt, global conservationists such as Jean-Michel Cousteau, and marine biologists such as Dr. Sylvia Earle. Go to our website, www.thedivetable.com and click on Join a Dive Club in the upper right-hand corner. Choose a club that best fits your budget and join today. Help us spread the messages of those that help keep our diving waters clean and healthy. Help us be the diving podcast that brings the most comprehensive stories to your ears. Thank you. Welcome to the Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me as always is Mr. Nick Hogle. Nick, how are you doing today? I am doing great. It's a wonderful day. A beautiful day in the neighborhood, we should say. Any any Mr. Rogers fans out there? <laughs> were you a Mr. Rogers fan growing up? You weren't? I'm just asking if you oh, were. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not commenting either way. I yet. Like, uh, I, I feel like everybody should be a Mr. Rogers fan. But yes, I was. It's been a little bit. Although I have not seen that new movie. Or it's not new. It's a few years old now with Tom Hanks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Tom Hanks. There's a documentary out there, though. But he's a, he was a good man. He was a good man. Yeah. I... I I can't say I was a fan or wasn't a fan. I don't remember a whole lot. I remember the trolley. <laughs> and I remember those things that I don't, I don't remember so much if I was a fan or not. But now when I have kids, it's like some of the content for kids these days is like oh. over my head. Like yeah. I'm like, how in the world are they going to understand? And it's TV youth, you know, like, <laughs> like mm, I don't think so. So like Mr. Rogers is nice and slow, yeah. understandable. Oh, yeah. The dude takes five minutes to change his shoes. Oh, like this is good, good life stuff. lessons, life lessons. Exactly. It's almost, uh, there's, there's a couple out there. So you need Mr. Rogers and then you also need bob ross so for you younger <laughs> listeners out there go watch some bob ross they actually used to play that guy in prisons because he would calm people down so much pull a little bush yeah this little happy little, little bush happy, happy little, little bush, bush. <laughs> yeah. well and it's good we, we've taken some time off um obviously we've been watching mr rogers in our time <laughs> off and we're back uh which i'm excited about and we're together again for the for the last time at least for another year before you're off to uh leaving on a jet plane talking about the fujis you're leaving on jet plane right so uh is that the fujis leaving on a jet plane was it maybe no, not leaving on a jet plane obviously i'm not going to quit my day job I thought, but i thought lauren hill did a version of that maybe not i don't know i don't know well okay somebody fact, fact check, check us, us. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously if you didn't hear him already producer daniel is here as well which means we are recording another episode of the show so Nick, you and I have had an ongoing conversation for months now uh, about the topic that we're going to tackle today. And I don't know if this is a hot topic in hot topic. Remember that story? Sorry. Uh, I, I think know. it's still around. Is it really? It? I want to, or maybe I'm thinking of Spencer. Sorry. Did you ever have a goth phase? I just have to ask. Never a goth phase, but there was cool shirts that you, I did do the band shirts a lot when I was in high school. Nine Inch Nails. Ah, 
Uh, like Bob Marley, oh. Grateful Dead, you know. I mean, come on, uh, Nine Inch Nails. But no, Don't you could go Nickelback. there and get some. <laughs> <laughs> you could go there and get some cool shirts. They had some random things out by there, but it was definitely. Um, it, I, I went there for the maybe like the occasional Sublime shirt. There you go, Sublime. Okay, now it's passable. That's passable. Oh, anyway, all right, off topic again. But uh, this is what happens when we're together. It's a problem. <laughs> But uh, the topic we're going to tackle today, and I'm not sure if it's a, a, a big one out in the scuba verse or not, or whether or not people are having these discussions, you know, on the way to dive sites or whatever. But you and I have talked about it a heck of a lot, which is the topic of transmitters, relatively new technology, right? A transmitter um, or a mechanical SPG. And we're going to have the the discussion. I know that we uh, have talked a lot about it, but who knows? Who knows where this will go? So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we want to hear from you as well. If you have an opinion or think Nick or I are wrong or whatever, uh, let us know your opinion because I think that this is a really interesting topic that deserves some time. So you ready to jump into this? Oh, I am. I am. Let's do this. A podcast for scuba divers everywhere. Take your seat at the dive table with your hosts, Nick Hogle and Jay Gardner. All right. Well, let's start with something relatively easy in this transmitter versus SPG or SPG versus transmitter discussion, which is what do you dive? Uh, well, I do dive both. Um, it just depends on, and what I mean by both is I have a setup where it's just transmitters and then I have a setup where it's an SPG. It kind of depends on the dive that I'm doing. Um, but I do dive both as well, but I recently just made within the last probably six months where I moved over to transmitters because on my recreational setup, single tank, I did have a transmitter as well as an SPG, but then um, I actually got rid of the uh, transmitter and just used the SPG, but then when I'm in side mount configuration, I do just side, or I'm sorry, I do just transmitters. Yeah, so I'm I'm similar. I think where I've landed as of today is in my side mount kit, I use transmitters and I use the just the transmitters. I don't have redundancy built into that, so I don't have SPGs off of that those bottles either. But in back mounted singles or back mounted doubles or in a stage or a deco bottle, I use an a regular mechanical SPG. And my reasoning behind that is I think we'll get to, but for me was, you know, in checking a side mount bottle SPG, it's not a big movement, but there's movement, right? You have to actually physically pull that SPG because in our configuration or in the configuration you and I have dove or are diving is a better way to put it. We don't have them lollipopped out. Like in, I think in uh, in Florida or in uh, the the Cape Country there, the configuration with the LP85s is to lollipop out the SPGs in front of you, so you can kind of see them. In Mexican side mount, they don't want things out in front because of the the restrictions and things, so they're actually back behind the first stage. They're along the bottle, and so when you go down to reach 
and actually look at the SPG, you're physically pulling that SPG around the bottle, kind of wiggling your body around and trying to get a good read. And I'm always like, you know, you're only side eyeing it. You know? <laughs> like, close one eye, close one eye, squint, squint the, the other. Right way. <laughs> and so I found because, you know, what we were training on is to switch every about 200 PSI. Again, that's probably really anal. 500 is probably okay, but 200 to keep things balanced on either side. Um, that, that's a lot. Every five minutes you're checking, that's a lot of movement every five minutes. And when you're in a restriction or you're in a position where that's not easy, I found transmitters to be much, 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 much easier. And actually when we were in Mexico, I did both. So I dove SPGs to start and got used to that. And then I borrowed some uh, some transmitters from the shop. <laughs> Luckily, my instructor had one, and we we pieced together another one and and tried those out. And uh, went home and, and made the decision. That's basically what I'm going to do is for side mount transmitters, for back mount anything, and stages and decos and all that stuff. It's going to be a mechanical SPG. So that's what I'm diving currently. Um, and I guess another question to add on top of that is, what are you transmitting to? What kind of computer? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I think we talked about this on another episode. Uh, I fell into the early in my you know first few weeks of diving into that mode of like the computer controls your dive. Like that's that's what I was told. That's what I believed. So I went into the shop and I said, "What's the best one?" <laughs> and they said, uh, and "What did I know at the time?" They could have said you know anything uh, at that point, but they said the Shearwater Taric. And that's what my open water instructor happened to dive as well. So it's like, okay, there's two points of reference that this might be a good thing to buy. So I bought the Tarek. I love my Tarek, it's great. I use it in gauge mode, so it doesn't have all the sheer water fanciness that now um, that, that it used to or that it's capable of. But the only thing, I, I'm kind of in this spot where I kind of want to get a bigger screen than what I have, just so I can see things a little clearer because that, that uh, you know, watch style is small. It does, you know, uh, magnify quite a bit under the water. So it's not like I can't see it, but it would be a little easier to see everything in one spot if I had a bigger screen. So I've been kind of itching to, to sell the Tarek or trade the Tarek. If you're out there and you want to trade a Tarek for a Perdix AI or a or not Peregrine, what's the other one? The Perdix or the um, Petrol? Petrol. Yeah, Petrol. Uh, totally down for it. In fact, I've seen a ton of Perdix on Facebook Marketplace recently because they just released the new one. The Perdix 2. The Perdix. Oh, no, I think it's the 3, isn't it? Or is it the 2? It's the. I believe it's the 2. The I two. believe it's the 2, yeah. So everyone's offloading their old Perdix, and it's like, dude, it's a perfectly great computer. So I might end up getting one of those and then selling the Tarek later. But that's uh, right now I'm using Swift AI, so from Shearwater, and the Tesla transmitters, and I'm using the Tarek as my receiving end of that. Cool. What yeah, about you? I also, um, I have a, I have a Perdix AI, um, and I do really enjoy that big screen in there. I'm probably gonna get a lot of hate on Scuba Divers Uncensored right now because <laughs> it's either it's either sheer water or split fins or I don't know what they they are is yelling about on there. But um, I do have a sheer water. I do love that computer, and um, I know uh, a few episodes back we were talking about the want versus need, the cost in scuba diving, and I know I don't need that new Perdix too, but I want that 
new perks too. <laughs> um, but so I, I probably see that in my future. But to tell you the truth, I, I so I still go dive off of my computer. Um, it's just the the type of diving I'm doing. I, I enjoy it, and um, I actually was thinking about getting a Tarek just because it would nice because I have a backup computer that now that I do use just in case. But it's a it's an older. It's basically the first computer I got. Great computer. It's good for recreational diving. Uh, but I was thinking about getting the Perdix just because it is nice and small and it'd be an easy backup computer the just Tarek, to have. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Tarek. I'm sorry. Maybe we'll trade. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, it's just it. What's nice too, I can keep the algorithms the same, so um, all that stuff. But. Um, I do, I do, unfortunately, sorry for my bank account and sorry to my girlfriend, see a Perdix 2 in my future, so, <laughs> um, but maybe not, maybe by the end of the year I can get that after the big move, maybe that'll be the present to myself is, oh, I moved to Malaysia, here's a present to myself that I don't need. <laughs> it's all about the want. We'll see if we trade, yeah. then you will need it, so then you have a justice. Yeah, see, this is perfect. Yeah, exactly. But no, worked I, uh, it out. Uh, but no, I do want to give a shout out to Shearwater. I do think they make a great product sponsor, huh? Yeah. You guys hear us now? Um, but no, they do. I do really enjoy their product. So sorry, scuba divers, uncensored. Yeah, yeah. That we're gonna get some hate from them for sure. But that is what it is. I, I like my Shearwater computer as well. I haven't dove really much anything else. I think I borrowed one of your old computers uh, one time when I left mine at home uh, at a dive site. And it, I mean, it, basically for me, anything that's gonna give me depth and time. I'm happy with, but then when you add in, if you want to use transmitters, then you need something that receives that. Um, I really like the Shearwater, and, and like I said, I dive in engage mode. I'm probably gonna get some hate for that as well, but there's a reason behind that. Um, it's not a snooty thing, it's just the way that I've trained and learned, and I think that's a better way of diving for me. But I, I do like the computer, and uh, I've heard a lot of great things from others that use those computers. You know, dive computers, we could have a whole nother episode on, uh, you know, it really depends, right? It depends upon what you're doing uh, with them. So, yeah, and another thing too is there are a lot of great computers out there in the market. So, you know, just because we're here sporting Shearwaters and um, using Shearwaters. It's the computer that I do like. Um, I, I kind of got sold on it early on uh, and I really do enjoy it. But there are other great computers out there that you can use transmitters with. Mari's, Garmin. Um, I've been looking at that Garmin for a while, but I do like the fact of the big screen on the Shearwater. And then just also too, uh, for if the listeners out there, um, there's actually a great article uh, by Nat Natalie Gibb, who owned the shop uh, that we went down to in Mexico, uh, extreme and not so extreme multi-stage side mount cave diving with AI. And she goes into a little bit more about transmitters versus SPGs too. Because when we went down there, as Jay was saying, he converted over to transmitters. And then I went there just saying, I'm using transmitters. So um, just a little bit of uh, extracurricular activities. Yeah. And that's the name of the article. What, yeah. what is it again? Where is it? On the Shearwater website. Yeah. It's called uh, extreme. Extreme and not so extreme multi-stage side mount cave diving with AI by Natalie Gibb. Shout out. What's up, Natalie? Um, hopefully you're having a good time down there in Mexico. Um, and uh, also, you know, we said it many times here before, Under the Jungle, check them out. Great shop, great people, good times. Yeah, actually, yeah. it's funny. I heard a few listeners that have already booked with her. So I'm pretty stoked about that uh, or booked with that shop yeah. to go do guiding. Or I think one of the, the guys we're talking to said that uh, he's going to go do his his uh, intro 
intro to cavern and intro to cave together cool with with natalie down there so awesome yeah more of you should go do that for sure uh we i know i'm gonna try to get back hopefully by the end of the year if not early next year to finish up my training down there which i'm pretty excited about well let's maybe shift gears so that's what we dive that's some of the reasoning behind it i will get to pros and cons later but let's maybe talk more shop uh, about for those of you that don't know the differences between these things we we kind of skipped ahead to what do you dive but maybe we'll talk about what the differences between these things really are so at a very basic level nick and then i maybe can go in more technical level what is the difference between an spg and a transmitter uh well one's mechanical one's electrical i guess that's pretty basic um uh, I think you were just mentioning this a little bit earlier off podcast, but uh, there is going to be different variances in the accuracy um, on the the uh, device that you're using. Uh, SPGs tend to be have a little bit more variance than transmitters. Transmitters, uh, you're you're kind of especially with you know depending on your eyesight down there um, to read that small transmitter. You might be like, oh okay, uh, it looks around 500. You know, you might be 600 or slightly over that, and that. That's what I do enjoy about the transmitters is you go right down to the single digit. Uh, and then there's some other... <laughs> Uh, there's some other uh, there's some other benefits and and negatives too uh, that you can go back and forth. But basic, simple differences: one's mechanical, one's electrical. Yeah, good. Um, and we we'll get into pros and cons here in a minute. And just to go a little bit more technical, so an SBG, what it stands for is submersible pressure gauge. So it is submersible, which of course it needs to be if you go diving with it. And it and it's a pressure gauge, so it's reading the pressure, um, not the volume. The pressure in your tank so this basic you know open water scuba but for those that are listening that maybe you didn't know what spg stands for that's what it stands for is there pressure in diving (laughs) (laughs) only on the surface and only i heard something uh what was it um uh, oh i think he called it a, a wap uh, and I was like, you know what a WAP is? And I was like, what's a WAP? He goes, it's a wife approved purchase. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's where pressure comes from, right? <laughs> In diving, how much money you're gonna spend. So yeah, anyway, uh, I, I, I have gas, <laughs> gear acquisition syndrome that needs, the treatment is WAP, wife approved purchase. <laughs> um, okay, sorry to get more serious. So the SPG, submersible pressure gauge, the way it works, essentially, and there's some great videos that you can you can look at. I think Dive Gear Express has a great one out there that you can take a look at where they don't have a face. It just shows what happens, but it hooks up to a high pressure port on your first stage. And what's happening there is it's something called a Bourdon tube. So the Bourdon tube actually flexes. It looks like a C, a little C inside of there. And as that first stage is pressurized, right, uh, through the spool, right, the spool's a little piece inside of the SPG in the housing or in the base of it, um, from the hose through the spool to the, the Bourdon tube, then that C flexes and attached to that is the gauge. So as the, the C flexes out, it actually pulls the gauge up. And as you know, you breathe down the gas, right? That C gets smaller and smaller, right back to a normal position. And that's what pushes the gauge. So as Nick was saying, that is a mechanical process, right? There are mechanical moving parts inside of that that are actually moving that Bourdon tube and then actually moving the, the needle or the gauge 
part of it. Um, and we mentioned accuracy a little bit, um, and I think that's fa fascinating because most SPGs manufacturers follow the European standard, the EN, I think it's 250 is the standard they use. And I looked it up and it's really interesting because at full pressure, the variance allowance, so the, the what's allowable in terms of in the manufacturing to meet that EN 250 standard is plus or minus 218 PSI. And that's a brand new one. Brand new. That's the variance allowed. And of course, probably you split the difference, but then the variance is change based on pressure. So the lower pressure you have, the less variance they're supposed to be. So I think at the lowest pressure, um, the variance is like 73 PSI. But any way that you look at it, it's about a 100 to 200 PSI window where it's the SPG brand new is considered accurate out of the box if it's within that variance between 200 and 100 let's just call it for round numbers scuba numbers which i found very interesting um and and technically what i've read i don't know if this is true i've never run an experiment myself which would be kind of a fun one to set up but is that spgs get less or mechanical spgs get less accurate with less gas so as you start to go breathe that gas down, the accuracy of that mechanical SPG actually goes down as well. Um, I don't know if that's true. I, I read it in a book somewhere <laughs> on the interweb. On the interweb. But that, you know, um, rack and pinion movement of that Bordun, Bordon tube is what what actually works to tell us what the pressure is in that particular cylinder coming from that first stage. Yeah. And then the reason why I wanted to mention new is because how many SP, how many new SPGs are there out there? You know, like there, um, so many people like, Oh, I've had this thing for 10 years. It's running solid. Is it, you might want to get it checked, uh, just because, you know, the scuba industry can be quite expensive when you're starting to get into it. So a lot of people don't buy what they don't think they need. Uh, so just definitely keep, keep on track. If, if, you know, it's a certain age, you might want to just purchase a new one. Yeah. I actually don't know what the standard is for SPG service. It's not something that I can remember learning. Um, probably we should learn what is, is it, you know, every hundred dives or every year I don't, if you know, send us a message. We don't know. Uh, so if you're a service technician out there, what is your recommendation for SPG accuracy? I actually just like to buy new every year. Uh, no. <laughs> Another continuing argument with me and my girlfriend. Uh, but no, no, I'm totally kidding. I don't buy new every year. I wish I could. But uh, and, and that's, you know, another reason why I'm I am a fan of transmitters, but also I am using SPGs as well. So it's yeah. And I would say like an SPG, you know, when they were, if you read the history, when they were new on the scene, let's say, right? Oh, and reading your, your pressure was new on the scene, you know, 50 years ago, um, there, there were some issues. So, you know, they would, they weren't as reliable, let's say, as they are today. But for the last 40 years, these are really reliable pieces of, of gear. I mean, um, you, you you don't hear a lot of SBG failure stories. And I know that a lot of people prefer the mechanical nature of it because uh, it is so reliable. There really isn't a lot. I mean, there's a couple of, of little O-rings. If you've ever popped one open and looked at the spool, there's a couple of uh, little O-rings that sit and I've seen some of those, you know, go bad. That's a really, it's a two minute fix really. You never had one go? 
I've, I've seen them on other divers and help fix them on other divers. I haven't personally had one. The other thing is, you know, if you remember to your open water class, when you, you know, first actually engage the bottle, turn the bottle on, uh, you know, they recommend to hold that glass away uh, from you or from anyone else. It, it can, it's a very rare thing, but it can shatter when that first initial pressure opens up. I've never... I've never seen that happen, and, and it's funny because I do I do tell people that in my classes. I'm like, hey, you know, put the put the face of it. You know, if you don't like your dive buddy, face it towards them, or you know, put it put it to the inside of your your BCD or whatnot. Um, and then I'm like, I always started off, oh, the the story that I hear, you know, the the it'll blow out and take somebody's eye out, but I've never seen it happen. I've never even heard of it happening, other than just you know, people telling me, yeah, my brother's cousin sister's roommate <laughs> you know and but yeah it's it's one of those funny things but it is good practice yeah and we'll get to pros and cons but but cost wise and spg is everywhere between 40 and 60 bucks i think brand yeah. new it's not uh i mean and then you got to buy a high pressure hose which is another 40 30 bucks something like that so all in you're probably talking 70 dollars for uh for an spg to hook yeah. up to a first stage a decent SPG, yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah, and they read out again, just so we're we're covering all our bases here. You can get them in bar. Uh, you can get them in PSI. You can also get them in crossover, which is both on the face. And most of the time, when you talk about you know dark diving or or um, or black water diving some refer to it uh you know they all of them i don't know if all that's a statement i think most everyone i've ever seen has a a, a glow in the dark uh face on it as well so you essentially take a light shine it on the face and that charges the glow in the dark piece and then you look at it and it's glowing in the dark literally i want to say all of them are like that aren't they i think i don't, I don't know almost every spg i've ever owned granted i haven't been in this industry super long uh i've probably owned maybe five uh but if you shine your light on it then it will it will glow um but i was thinking in that if you're saying black water, maybe if there's no visibility, it doesn't really matter because you're not going to see it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll, it will, it will, you'll hold your light to it and hold it basically <laughs> to your eyes. See it glow <laughs> off in the distance. Yeah. Um, but that's an SPG in a nutshell. Uh, there's probably much more technical explanation that we can go into, but they're really not that complex piece of, uh, the, or, or, uh, overly complex piece of machinery they're pretty straightforward and they've been reliable and used for for years and years and years and years and there's nothing wrong with an spg uh in in my mind i uh actually have had an o-ring go on an spg there's a little tiny little tiny o-ring i think i can't even remember the size i want to say maybe 10 uh and it was a quick easy fix and the only re and it's only once the whole time i've ever used spgs but i was i kept swapping things out i would go back and forth from a transmitter to an spg and just normal wear and tear so it just kind of gave away uh, luckily it happened on the surface not during the dive but not the end of the world quick easy fix yeah good all right, so what's a transmitter? So as Nick said, uh, very basic. It is a non-mechanical. It actually works with electrical impulses. And the basic premise of a transmitter, uh, let's talk about the digital gauge first, the, the actual thing that's reading the pressure before we get to the transmission to the, the readout or computer or whatever it would be. So this is true of a digital 
gauge, which you can hook up just a pressure checker, right? Or a transmitter. The way that those work, there aren't actually any moving mechanical parts. What there is in there is a sensor that sensor picks up pressure change. So from obviously zero to whatever that would be. And then as that changes, you breathe the gas down, it's picking up that pressure change. And that sensor translates the pressure change into electrical impulses. Those electrical impulses are read by a microprocessor that's actually in the um, the gauge itself. And then the microprocessor takes the electrical impulses and translates that through magic. <laughs> of course, Nick and magic. I are not, not, as, uh, not as qualified to talk the about. The dark magic of scuba. Uh, the dark magic uh, snap of a finger <laughs> spell of the microprocessor uh, takes the electrical impulses and turns it out into a reading. So a, a numerical reading. So that's what we'll read out, you know, 3051 PSI <laughs> or whatever it would be uh, down to what Nick said, the, you know, the single digit, uh, the, the, the single digit placeholder there. Uh, transmitters from what my, the research I've done so far out of the box are supposed to have, they call them a full service um, calibration are supposed to be accurate within 0.1%. So that's what I've read. I don't know if that's a manufacturing standard or not, but from what I've been able to gather, uh, it's somewhere in that range, which again is a complete negligible range. Even if it was 1%, you're talking about a pretty accurate piece of information. And then when you translate that actual pressure reading the sensor and the microprocessor what a transmitter then does is it takes it from the tank right well, on your first stage and transmits that through an i believe an rf signal to your receiver your computer or however you're going to read that number so there's there's a magical in the air just like bluetooth or wi-fi or anything else that that we use on a daily basis it is transmitting the data the numerical output from the sensor to a screen of some sort so that you can read it so that's how a a transmitter works uh so you're telling me a transmitter transmits yes uh, that's that's the basic premise of it yes through the water and through some magical the dark scuba magic, black magic of scuba right so that's how they work anything to add in terms of how they work not, they work very differently is the is the point here and there's probably much more technical explanation that nick and i are not qualified to give you uh but that's the basic understanding from a everyday diver's perspective of the differences between those two things so good yeah, no, I think you've pretty much covered uh, most how it works. A transmitter transmits. Okay, <laughs> that's what Nick's taking away. Good. All right, so let's let's maybe get into uh, the opinion-based portion of this, which should be a lot of fun, which are pros and cons. So there are certainly pros and cons of each one of these things, and I think that's where the meat of the debate comes in. And there are some people that are very charged, let's say, about one side or the other side, and even agencies that are have created rules, uh, you know, around which one you you can and can't use, or or how you have to deploy them if you're going to use them. So, let's talk pros and cons. What's you you? The floor is yours. Where do you want to start? Ah. Uh, 
Well, I mean, I think kind of if you've gotten to know me over the course of however many episodes we're at, uh, I, I, I am a, I am a, I do like convenience. I like ease and a transmitter is definitely just going to be a lot easier. You know, you can, uh, you, it transmits to your computer. I wear my computer on my wrist. Generally when I'm diving, my hands are in front of me. So it's right there. Like all I, I don't even have to really turn my head. I can just turn my, you know, just move my vision a little bit. Boom. It's right there. And that's, you know, also why I like the bigger screen for my computer. Uh, it is a little bit easier. It's, you know, another benefit is it's one less hose. Uh, I, I know that there's a lot of debate out there whether it should be uh, like some people do they'll 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 use both they'll have a transmitter as well as an SPG and and for a while I was actually the same way I would use both because when I first kind of got into transmitters it was like oh, okay you should always have a backup in SPG and you know over time I've I've kind of gotten away from that. Uh, because I don't necessarily see that as a benefit if you're planning your dive correctly. If anything happens, you, you, if you have an SPG failure, you would end the dive at that point. Same thing with a transmitter. Uh, if you, you, you know, if you're gas planning correctly at any point in the dive, you should have a reserve to be able to end your dive sufficiently. Granted, if you know whatever type of dive you're doing actually not even any any type of dive you're doing you should always have a reserve um yes. all you divers out there but uh it, so just some of the benefits for me is it's it's just a little bit more streamlined a little bit easier uh it's just something that i kind of gravitated towards and it's just something that i i enjoyed uh, i do know um i am not 100 percent sure the standard of the agency that I teach, I'll have to look into that. Uh, if you do need an SPG or just an able, being able to read your pressure. So I don't know, like whenever I'm teaching a class, I will have an SPG. Like I will probably not even have a transmitter. Usually I will, but if I'm teaching a class, I don't mind having, not having a transmitter. Uh, but I will have an SPG because I think it's good practice, you know, especially someone, an open water diver coming into it. That's going to be more standard wherever you're going. If you're renting gear, which a lot of people do, they're going to have an SPG. They're not just going to have transmitters that they're handing out. Um, Cause that is kind of one con about the transmitter is the cost. Like you were saying, sixty to seventy dollars will get you a SPG setup. I know I the transmitter that I have. I think it was three hundred, four hundred. Yeah, so it was four hundred. Uh, it's not cheap. It's definitely not cheap, and you know, still going back to the continuing argument me and my girlfriend always have why well, i spend so much money on scuba i need this little thing that costs four hundred dollars what <laughs> yeah it's easier you know but i mean you know i'm a i'm a i'm a product of my environment i love convenience uh but you know i so i don't i used to see the benefit on in having both but I, I, I see that there's more failure points now from articles that I've read and, and um, things like that. So uh, I guess it just depends. But also, you know, it, it, I don't know. It's kind of a back and forth, I guess. But for me, I know um, the, the comfort that I have in my own diving, I'm okay with just using transmitters. Uh, that might not be everybody else out there and, and go with what you're more comfortable with, with what you're trained with. Uh, but you know, a transmitter to me is pretty solid. And there's other benefits too that I've seen. I know um, there's one 
computer company out there, I believe Ratio, and there's some other computers too that can do this, but they can transmit up to 10, uh, a computer can read up to 10 different transmitters, uh, which I kind of see the benefit of that in an open water class setting if everybody had transmitter granted that would be a very expensive class but then the dive guy you can actually read everybody's pressure you know uh because there there is literally people out there you know you good what's your air pressure they might be at like 600 but they're a little bit embarrassed so they're telling people oh i'm at a thousand i'm good to go and and unfortunately it does happen a lot uh but then you could actually Nope, you're, you know, do a, I did a little click of my wrist right there. No, I could see what you're at. You could also just grab their SPG. Yeah, you could also <laughs> grab their SPG, but in times, you know, um, it, it just, it, it would be, I see the benefit in that. I don't know if I would ever use that. I don't know if I'd ever have the money to do something like that. You'd have to be a pretty fancy dive shop um, to, to be like, oh, we're giving all these students transmitters. Uh, but I can see the safety in that for sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but as far as me, I, I do like transmitters, but also um, in my recreational setup, if I'm just going fun diving, you know, hopefully out in Malaysia soon, um, I, I know, uh, I, if I'm just fun diving out there, uh, I probably will just have an SPG because it's easier, it's set up, I don't have to do anything. Um, and it's just a simple, oh, grab and let's go. I'm not gonna buy, you know, because the transmitters I do have are, on my side mount setup so i don't want to keep removing them and putting them on removing them and putting them on i just don't like doing that and i'm lazy as we've gotten to know uh so it's just nice to have an spg setup will i eventually maybe get another transmitter maybe but i'm more eyeing that new perdix too so <laughs> <laughs> shearwater if you're out there we could use a couple more yeah. please no i think you mentioned a couple of of important points the first one is ease so there certainly is something about all the information you need in one location. So think about it as your, your scuba dashboard, right? And, and that is quote unquote easier. There is no movement. It's simply like Nick said, out in front of your face at all times. I think that's a pro in some ways. I think it can also be a con. And I'll, I'll, my, my experience of that was I originally bought a transmitter and was using it period. And I actually found myself to get in my early diving in my training to be a little bit lazy in terms of the, um, what's the word, uh, discipline in checking. And if I, for me, I dive, when I dive, I do five minute checks. So every five minute I check, you know, my pressure, I check, you know, my buoyancy trim control breathing and I check my team. So that's just kind of a, a habit that I wanted to get into that, I don't even have to look at my, you know, gauge. I know it's five minutes, right? The other thing that I found when I was diving just the transmitter early on was I didn't really get into that discipline. This is me again, it's not everybody, but I didn't have that discipline because the information was always there. I mean, I think you check your, your depth and time a lot more than five minutes. Um, and so in that process, because the information was there, I just knew what my pressure was. And you can argue that's a good thing or a bad thing. For me, it kind of created a little bit less discipline. And the second piece of that was that it also created a little bit of a dependence. And so if you do your, your sac rate calculations and you, you're kind of doing gas planning, 
you should in your head know at five minutes, like for me at five minutes, depending on depth, again, I, I kind of have a chart that I've made, you know, I should have breathed about 200 PSI, somewhere around there, right? So a gauge really is working to confirm what I should already know. So I should already know if I'm 10 minutes in the dive and I started with 3000 on a single back mount tank that I should have used about 400 PSI, which should put me at about 2600 PSI total. So when I look at my gauge, it should be confirming that, yeah, I'm at 2600. If it's not, if I'm at 2000, what's going on? Or if I'm still at 3000, <laughs> like, uh oh, did the, was the manifold closed? Like what's going on, right? So it's a, it's a confirmation tool for me, or at least that's the way I've tried to train it, is for it to confirm what my brain should already know in, in what I've worked to understand my gas consumption and my gas planning. And so in that case, I found the SP or the, the transmitter, um, again, to be a little bit more of a crutch or becoming a crutch. So for me in my training, I took it off. I put it in, you know, the, the back shelf and went directly to, I'm going to train on an SPG. I'm going to train that it's confirming what I already know. And I did that for a hundred dives or whatever it was just to get into that discipline before I went back and said, okay, let's revisit this transmitter thing. So that for me was, again, it could be taken as a pro and a con in terms of how you are approaching it. But that was my experience of, of that. Well, I guess my question is, because you're you're still checking i, I i'm trying to, f to uh clarify how necessarily it's a crutch because as opposed to like you're saying like physically grabbing your spg and grabbing it and looking at it but i mean when you're looking at your computer isn't it not the same thing when it reads out on the computer when you check anything depth time which you do quite often more than five minutes i yeah. would say you're also looking at the spg gas and so what i found was like i didn't have that five minute clock right it was just kind of like oh i already know or oh, already know or oh, i already know so that physical movement for me in training again i'm not saying it's how you should dive all the time and things like that but in training that five minute i have to do something to confirm my gas which is really important right <laughs> to know how much gas that movement for me of physically on clipping my SPG, pulling it in front of my face, charging it if it's dark, whatever it would be, reading it, doing the calculation in my head, is that right or wrong? Like, what, what, how's it going? And then replacing it every five minutes really trained me to have that internal clock of five minutes. Now I don't really need that. I, five minutes, my, my brain and my, you know, um, what do you call them, uh, reaction, what, what are those reflexes? There it is. My reflexes go off at five minutes now, but I'm saying in the training, for me, for 100 dives or so, that's what I did so that I could get into that mode. And I found the S or the transmitter to be a crutch to accomplishing that piece of the training that I wanted. Whether that's true for everybody, I don't know, but it was for me. And that's kind of how, because how, I always knew. I never had to, there was never a, a stop point that said, hey, hey, dummy, check your gas. It was just always present, always, you always knew. And for some people, that's a pro. For, and I totally understand that. For others, for me, it was a con because it became more of a crutch. And for me, I'm trying to train to become a very disciplined diver. And that discipline was lacking for me in having a transmitter there. That's just my experience. Okay, so that's one is ease, which can go either way. 
I think two, the big knock against transmitters that you hear out there is that they create these failure points, right? That it's digital, that it's gonna stop transmitting, right? And that there's a battery in there that, that you have to change at some point. Those are what I hear most people talk about when it comes to the cons of transmitters. And that may be true, and it probably was very true in the beginning of any new technology, right? We talked about the start of SPGs and glass exploding. <laughs> like, uh, you talk about in a faraway you know, land, BCDs and the the invent of uh, of new technology, so, nitrox, nitrox, yeah, voodoo gas, right? So I think they're probably what I haven't experienced it, but from what I've read, the early transmitters maybe were less reliable they had comms issues you know they would stop working when they passed a you know this certain rock or something like i've heard these stories old timers tell um, <laughs> but but to me like that's the nature of evolving technology so yes that might be true you're adding a battery right now the technology warns you long before you need i think it's like 25 dives or something like that um before you ever have to change the battery so if you just ignore that for 25 dives then that's kind of on a you transmitter? yeah it, it tells you the battery is going to go 25 something like that the warning warning comes on 25 dives it'll be done not that's the only number of dives it takes yeah, yeah. So when the battery's going down and it needs to be changed. Oh, within 25 Within dives. 25 oh, dives, you need to change like, it. Yeah. Man, Sorry. I've been using my transmitter wrong yeah, yeah. a lot. <laughs> so I think it's that number. I don't remember when you yeah, have to look yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that, 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 okay, that makes sense. That's I was, on you, right? Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if you no, ignore yeah, that yeah. for 25 dives. And like, a lot of them, they, they, I think, I, yeah, I, I want to say it'll kind of show you the battery life on there as well, too. So, um, like, I know on my computer, it, it shows me the battery life and generally when it starts to get below half i'm like i just need to swap this battery out um i have gone a little bit longer than that because i'm an idiot but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no i i yeah sorry i just kind of i miss her i was like wait a minute what i gotta yeah. change my transmitter battery every 25, every 25 dives. Dives. Yeah. i was like i've been really screwing that yeah. this is not reading accurate yeah. anymore, so. <laughs> but i mean you know i don't really buy into the fact yes they can fail. So can an SPG. Um, mechanical failure versus digital failure or sensor failure. To me, there's kind of an equal playing field there. Yes, it's transmitting through the water. I think a lot of the issues that they had early with those are have been addressed and are continue to be addressed. The technology get better. So any new technology is going to have potentially more quote unquote risk. But to your point earlier, if an SBG fails or a transmitter fails, or a transmitter fails, the procedure is the same. Like the dive's over. Like thumb the dive and get back home safe, right? And if you know, so to me, the consequence of the failure is still the same. The likelihood of the failure might be. I can't say with you know. There's been scientific studies out there. It might be greater likely is a little bit greater with a transmitter than it would be with a mechanical SPG, but the failure points still exist. If, you, if you're if you a diver, I know some divers are out there counting O-rings, you have more O-rings when it comes to the, the spool, right, uh, in the SPG than the single O-ring that comes with the transmitter. If you're a diver out there who, you know, can't figure out how to turn your computer on, then this is, might be not something for you, right? Uh, and there's a failure point of user error at that point I don't know how to work this thing, right? Um, but I don't really buy into the like 
the the transmitter is more likely to fail than the other one and then and then my question then is okay well what's the consequence and the consequence is if you're an idiot and haven't done your gas planning then yeah you could die but if you're not an idiot and you're holding rock bottom or reserve to get you home safely the consequence of either failure is the same go home right thumb the dive so Again, like to me, that's not really a, a major argument to make against transmitters, although that's the one I hear most common. Yeah, I mean, I know for me, I'm on my, my second generation, I should say, transmitter. So I, I got the Shearwater a few years back. So I had, I don't know if it was their first generation transmitter. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but I have the Swift now, the, the, the Shearwater Swift. Is it Swift AI? Swift AI. Um, yeah, AI. Swift AI. Air and- integration yeah i have that i have two of those Uh, i probably have i don't know maybe 50 or so dives on those i have not had an issue on the transmitter that i had before um i can honestly say i probably put about 500 dives on that thing and i never want i mean there's probably i mean maybe a couple times but nothing to warrant an emergency or anything like that i mean i did have the battery go but that's going to be common with any electronic device uh and and i used it just fine no issues uh so i i can't speak for that either uh like i've said though in the past i haven't been diving for 10 20 years and and may, yes when this technology first came out i'm sure there was issues just like any new technology out there uh so i i can understand why some people are on that way but in the dive industry in general i feel like there is a very there there's just this this people are just hard to change their habits, you know? So you have people that, and you know, you'll, you'll talk to some of these old school tech divers, old school caves. Oh yeah. Never looking at that transmitter. That thing's trash. This is the way that I'm going to do it. This is the way that it is. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of that. I'm a fan of evolving and, and you know, there's new technology coming out. There's better methods. If you know, literally you have divers. I, I don't know the time frame on this. I'd have to really check, but you know, you've heard us talk about it before voodoo gas. There was a time when people were like, no, that nitrox don't, that's going to kill you if you go in the water with that. It's common practice these days because we've evolved. BCDs, when those things first started coming out, that's going to kill you. What are you doing? Common practice now. And just just like other things, I think that this is a relatively young sport in the you know whole spectrum of things. And things are constantly evolving. Things are getting better. And um, I want to be a part of that change. I want to see what's going to happen. And granted, I might run into something where I'm like, you know what? I don't like that. I tried it. Uh, you know, we've talked about things like that, like, oh, this new piece of gear looks kind of cool. Let me try it. Spend a bunch of money. Yeah, I don't really like that. That's just kind of the nature of the beast of things. Um, in kind of trying to stay with the times but there are some tried and true methods but i do see you know that that's another reason why i did get away from having an spg as well as a transmitter because there's no way around it you're adding more failure points i know in an spg there's going to be more o-rings that can blow as opposed to one transmitter one o-ring um 
so there is differences in there and 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 you know like me and jay have stated this is what we do so this is what i do that's what jay does that doesn't mean that you have to go off of what we say go out there and see what works for you you know get the training um find the benefit don't just do anything because you know it sounds cool or whatnot but definitely go out there and get it but i i do see that for me i do like the way of the transmitter i like that the way of the transmitter kind of sounds like a samurai thing um but i i am a fan of that so i do um that, that's just something that i've incorporated into my diving and there's other things i mean you might talk to me in five years and i'm like nope no more transmitters sticking with just spgs or you might see me in five years and i'm like man i haven't owned a transmit or i haven't owned an spg in three years i just don't need them you, you have know? 17 transmitters yeah, you, you won the lotto or something. <laughs> so I need to become a dealer so I can get all these. I'm dealer transmitting pricing. how much gas is at the shop that's left <laughs> to fill up my tanks when I'm done diving. That's what I know. Yeah, I think you make a really important point, and I, and I'll flat out say it that I think in general what I've experienced in scuba is a resistance to new technology, Change. and. And in some cases, that's warranted. Hey, what has worked and we have safety records on and actual studies and those things, then, yeah, there's a reliance on the things that have worked. But things don't change. We don't get to new tech. We don't get to nitrox without doing it and studying that. Right. And so I think in general, there is there is kind of this, you know, old school mentality that that transmitters are the devil that I've run into and like you shouldn't do that and in fact there are some agencies that are are trying to evolve and say okay have a transmitter but have a backup SPG to me that's lunacy number one you're right there's more failure points but okay like I'm not an o-ring counter that's not that's not how I operate as I'm, I'm a what's the tool and why do I use that tool for what purpose? Well, when you think about a backup SPG, if your transmitter goes, you're thumbing the dive, you know? And if you go, oh, well, my transmitter went and then I have this SPG now that's gonna read my pressure, right? Okay, fine, then you've got a secondary thing. But at the same time, what about your depth gauge? Do you take a mechanical depth gauge as well as a backup? What about your timing device? Do you take a mechanical timing device on your dive as well? Like, where does it kind of stop, right? Like, yeah, I have them all clipped to me. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I've, I've got everything clipped onto me. And then at that point, you go like, look, like the consequence of a failure is thumb the dive, get home safe, right? So whether I have that backup or I don't really doesn't change the consequence of the failure. So to me, the evolution, I think it's really important. And I think Nick and I are both kind of in the same mindset here of, yeah, we're willing to try things out. We're willing to be part of the change as long as there's a why. And so for me, the why behind what I dive is I found, like I said, the SPG is a tried and true piece of, of gear. There's nothing wrong with it. I use it in back mount simply because I don't want to move them from my side mount setup um, into my back mount setup. So I, I just don't. Uh, would I use it in back mount? Probably. Uh, I, I have no problem if I bought another one of them. But in side mount, I see a very, very practical use there. And, and that was trying both ways. I mean, I dove for the first half. I dove forever in side mount with just SPGs. And I did find the movement that was necessary to check my pressure at that point can be a problem right can be a problem in a restriction can be a problem it certainly takes you out of 
the environment. And when I, I had a moment, I don't know if you did, in what my instructor called a cavern. <laughs> it was a, you know, where I'm on the line. And I had a moment where I, I knew I was coming up on my five minute check. I needed to check both bottles because that's what you do. You don't just check one because they're independent. You're checking both. And so I paused, whatever. I wasn't swimming along. I paused, pulled, pulled my right bottle, checked that, pulled my left bottle, checked that had a harder time for some whatever reason reading it like getting the accuracy there um, of what it actually was and by the time i looked off of those spgs i had a brief like oh you know sh apostrophe whatever keep this p double hockey sticks double hockey sticks there we go. <laughs> oh my gosh where's the line right like it was just a moment the line was right there i hadn't moved but it was just that like my brain was distracted for that few minutes processing that information reading the gauge and then i went oh my gosh where's blind and i could see in a real situation where if that happened you know one of the biggest things of cave diving is controlling your emotions and i had that emotional like you know like moment and i'm like it was completely unnecessary right because i can use a tool to reduce the amount of movement I have to make. I can use a tool to put all the information in one place. Um, and so why wouldn't I use that tool? I accept the risk that might be there with it. So to me, the if you're out there considering SPG versus transmitter or what you're gonna dive, I think you have to get to a why. I think you have to, oh, well, this is what, you know, the future of diving is going to be. That's not a good why, right? Or this is what's always been. So therefore it must be, that's not a good why. I, I go back to like, what is the tool being used to for? And for me in side mount, it makes a ton of sense. In back mount, it's not as, as big of a deal to me in terms of the environment that I'm in, in a set, uh, in a twin set, right? So um, I think that's one of the, the considerations to make when you're weighing out pros and cons in, in this debate. And, you know, I do, going back to having that nice tool, um, on my computer, it is nice. When I'm doing side mount, I can have both transmitters right there on the screen. So it is just a nice readout. I don't have to click from one to go to the other. It's just, um, and I don't know if all all or multiple, more than one com dive computer does that. I don't know. I haven't used those other dive computers out there that do transmitters. But that is the really nice thing uh, about the computer that I'm using is it's all right there uh I don't have to do any big movements or anything like that. And you know, yeah, just, you know, not to bring up the change thing again, but I mean there was literally a time when people were deep diving on air. When I'm saying deep diving, I'm not saying, you know, anything, you know, the recreational 60 to 130 feet. I'm talking like deep exploration type diving. It was like, oh no, don't use the mixed gases and things like that. And and now we've completely gotten away from that for very good reason. Uh, so it's just, you know, a matter of um, changing and then educating yourself. You know, there there is new technology out there and and um you know it might be a little scary to be on the forefront of that but there there's you know ways to to be on the forefront but keep yourself safe at the same time so uh yeah i i concur with everything we just said <laughs> well there's a couple more pros so that we should talk about that get thrown out there so one of the pros that that people are kind of in the transmitter camp say is the word accuracy 
and I think that that's true. The the transmitter, the digital pressure sensor is more accurate both to your eyes because you have to read that gauge and like you know is it um you know 600 or 500 sometimes it, that's a, that takes a minute to figure out right under the water 550 <laughs> split the difference um so again when we talked about manufacturing standards that en 250 and and the variance that's allowable even on a brand new one so i i feel safe to say that transmitters are more accurate within let's say 200 psi than a mechanical spg now that's an argument a lot of transmitter folks hang their hat on right it's down to the single digit in the SP, in the in, in the readout there the real question I asked though is so what <laughs> no it is you're absolutely right like you shouldn't be De you shouldn't be determining your dive off of 4 PSI, 5 PSI, <laughs> right. even up to 200 PSI. And that is absolutely right. Um, I, I, I do find it a little easier, though, when I'm doing my gas planning, doing the math. I could just get the exact numbers and say, well, let me just round, you know. But, uh, I mean, either way, yeah, your your dive should not be determined off of single digits, um, let alone, like, 100 or even 200 PSI. Yeah. And in some extreme cases, I think Natalie did a good job of illuminating this in terms of accuracy in her article in some extreme cases that can possibly matter but for most divers and most dive plans 200 psi is not you know earth shattering if it is there's something wrong with your dive plan and diving in the first place so to me the accuracy argument in the transmitter side doesn't really hold a lot of water um, because it, it shouldn't matter that much although it's true transmitters are more accurate than SPGs. The other argument that I hear, um, or a couple more, on the pro side of the transmitters is the automatic calculation of your sack rate. Now, that is super convenient. It's nice when you get done. It, you know, some computers, I don't know if all, again, we have experience with the Shearwater side of the house. I've been trying to hold off saying Shearwater because I think we've said it like yeah, 500 times, so, but it's hey, okay, like Shearwater. Them. Yeah, we, we, we use them, so oh. we'll talk about them. But we need know, to get Daniel to just start buying us all Shearwater. Exactly. Products. Yeah. We're both looking at them right now. Yeah. Using an excuse to say sheer water. Yes. <laughs> yes. The clear water, right? <laughs> um, sorry, sheer water. Credence clear water? Oh, Canada. What's that all about? Uh, so, anyways, uh, the point being is that it does an automatic calculation of your sack rate. That's fantastic. As long as, in my view, you know how to calculate your sack rate without it, right? So there's another crutch that, that can get in there. I think it's important to be able to do tank factors and actually, actually um, calculate out your sack rate. And that's an important piece of information if you're going to advance in diving. I think it's important, period. Even if all you're ever going to do is a 60-foot reef dive for the rest of your life, knowing your sack rate helps you calculate gas consumption, helps you understand a gas plan. It doesn't have to be as technical as if you're using thirds going deep into a cave somewhere. But it is nice that that's automatic. I wouldn't say like that should replace your brain knowledge of how to get there without the technology, but it is a nice convenient thing when you say. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I was off in my own little world just daydreaming. Um, no, and I think kind of at, at the at the end of the day what you're or what what I'm taking out of it is um, 
Yes, it's good to know all this because at the end of the day, it's going to put you more at ease, you know, in case there is a failure, you know, like, uh, you know, say you, you have a failure and you were at 2000 PSI and you're on a 50 foot reef, you know, you're, it's not going to be the end of you. There's a comfort there. Like, oh, okay. Um, I know that I usually breathe this much. I'm good to go. Um, you know, we're going to slowly end the dive, but I know I'm not going to run out. Granted. Yeah. You shouldn't be determining things off of the 250 PSI, 200 PSI, um, um, but you know that I, I think at the end of the day, it's all about comfort. And if you're, if you're not comfortable using a transmitter, you're just, you know, you have that anxiety about it, stick to your SPG. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Get to where you're comfortable. And, um, it's all about, you know, what you want to do the pro that's the pro side of it. Just be comfortable. If you don't want to use an SP or if you don't want to use a transmitter, don't use an SPG or vice versa. Um, but no, I, I, yeah, I, I, completely agree that is a, a pro but but i do see a, a, a not negative and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier is technology can make some people lazy and i know i talk about being lazy all the time i'm, I'm the lazy diver i want things to be simple i'm i live my life by kiss keep it simple stupid you know just because that's just my creed my motto um but you're a turtle right I know, yeah I'm a tr i just want to you know i just want to cruise through and crutch is that his name i just is crush. it crush there we go it shows you how much i know about nemo i don't have kids so i haven't seen that make sure he's not squirt <laughs> the baby turtle the squirt i'm something but uh i'm still trying to figure that out oh, uh, a little squirt but um no and and you know it's all about just getting to your comfort zone but being educated being trained and you know at the end of the day these are we should have had that disclaimer you know this is what we do uh, you know what's the disclaimer on the television daniel used to be in the radio do you, do you know what that disclaimer not, was uh, this is not advice oh, not the opinion yeah <laughs> yeah not the yeah so um uh, you know so please take that from you know this but i do um there I, I i see more pros than the negatives for s or i'm sorry for transmitters as opposed to spgs and i can see myself making the transition uh, but that's me so do your uh research get educated and figure out what works for you yeah a couple other concerns i've heard that that are worth addressing which is you know one is in an in a gas sharing event when we're in a, a true uh, gas share or air share emergency. Buddy breathe. <laughs> Buddy breathe. <laughs> if you're out there in some agencies, um, there there is a step in the procedure to show do they still teach buddy breathing? Oh yeah, yeah. Some some do. I, I know I learned it where you're breathing off one reg. Yeah, back and forth. Yeah, so, I mean that's still also a viable option in a, in a, yeah, a yeah. really big emergency, I mean, right? Yeah, where you share your long hose and the the necklace stops working. Well, now you're in a buddy breathe situation, right? You're passing the and you've got about thirty. If you sit there, this is a good exercise I went through, which was sit on the surface and hold your breath and just press a timer. I was able to hold my breath for like almost a minute, and when you think about that under the water, right? Uh, yes depth pressure blah 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 but it's going to be that you're going to take the same volume of gas in um on the on a four or at 100 feet that you are on the surface so there's not really an argument there you've got a minute to solve it but one of the arguments i've heard transmitter versus sbg is 
if you've got two tanks, and this is true, and I'm gonna now share gas with you, and I'm using transmitters, one of the steps in the procedure is to confirm that we have enough gas to get home, that both the, the sharing, the donating diver, and the receiving diver confirm that. And so the simple step in technically, and if you're using an SPG, is to show them the face of the SPG, right, on both bottles. When it comes to uh, a transmitter, now you have, at least on mine, tank one, tank two. And so in your pre-dive check, if you're doing side mount, you need to distinguish, hey, for me, I dive tank one's my left. And the reason I do that is because the left is the first one that I put on, right? So that makes a logical sense. It's the last one I take off. So confirming tank one is left and tank two is right, I can confirm that with my team. The other thing that, that sometimes gets into that, um, you know, argument is when you're using, uh, let's say stage bottles or, or deco bottles as well. And you're doing decompression diving again, showing that SPG is part of the gas sharing procedure there. Again, you need to be able to identify, I think on mine, I can have up to four, uh, displayed at the same time. So again, that happens in the pre-dive check. Hey, tank one's left, tank two's right, tank three's my stage and tank four is my deco, right? Now that might be something for someone to remember and maybe we need to put that, make sure our wet notes are right there to confirm. But to me, again, that's not like a, it's not a major concern. It's an emergency planning that I think is worth addressing today because I'm going to hear it from other people that, yeah, but what about, you know, gas checks and, and gas sharing procedures? Um, and then I think the big con, and I think you'd agree with me on this one, to transmitters, is just they're expensive. Like if you were to run them on all of your systems, I've got, I think, five first stages now. Um, I mean, that's five times 400. I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of money. Let's just put it that way. Um, $1,600, uh, $1,800 versus five times 70. Yeah, let's even say I buy a really nice SPG and they're $100 each. That's $500. So two grand versus 500, that is a difference. And for some divers, again, the, the benefit of the transmitter versus the cost of the transmitter may not make sense to them. And that makes total sense. SPGs are just fine. There's nothing wrong with them. And if, if that's not somewhere that you want to invest for that tool, for whatever reason you're why, makes total sense. Uh, versus I think that's the big con to me of, of a transmitter is just they're expensive. Um, even used, they're expensive. I don't know if that's one of the things I would buy used as a transmit. Maybe. I don't know. I think it depends on, on who, you know, I think it depends on the situation because there's a lot of stuff like. Wouldn't it make more sense to buy a used transmitter than a used SVG? Uh, uh, good question. What gets I, worn down? I mean, I, I think it all depends, you know, because I've you know i've seen people go and buy dive gear and three dives in they're like this isn't for me that svg is still completely fine yeah. same thing with that transmitter you know i um i i you, yeah, and i still do i i buy secondhand all the time multiple different things um i think you just kind of have to 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 
judge certain not judge that's not the right word but um you know if you you know like i i used to say this about buying things on craigslist if i was going to go buy something and i show up to the person's house and the whole house is trashed and i'm like eh, is this true i really want to be buying this item off of your used mattress uh, yeah, yeah yeah you know i've never bought the used mattress <laughs> no i literally said that was one thing you shouldn't buy used you, you know say it, i know no i do i mean that's what there's certain things you don't buy used mattress is one of them it's like don't buy used underwear 100 percent. you know but i just think used it depends socks? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, uh, you know, use diapers now. Um, no. But I, I definitely, I just think there's always a, a depends situation because someone might have bought it, used it once, and realized like, oh, I don't really want to use this. But if you know you're going to buy a transmitter and it's basically new out of the box, like why wouldn't you buy it? You know, um, as opposed to if you go and buy a transmitter and there's just huge gouges across the thing. Yeah, I'd probably say don't buy that one. Uh, but you know it, that that's that's a whole nother topic of discussion buying used or new uh but I, they are costly. There's that, at the end of the day, there's no doubt about that. Even if you're buying a used one, unless you get a screaming deal, you know, like they're it's gonna cost you more. But then you know there's there's yeah there's always arguments to that um but i just wanted to to go back to the 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 buddy breathing real quick um so i think or, or to kind of maybe touch on that subject a little bit uh I think depending on what type of diving you're doing, that's obviously going to determine what procedures are, right? So, um, you know, like if if it's if you're a good team, then your teammates should kind of know what's going on in general in an emergency situation. Um, depending on the type of diving you're doing, if you're on a 40 foot reef, you probably don't need to be completely in tune with anybody. As opposed to if you're three miles into a cave, you want to be in tune with that person next to you because that person literally is a, a lifesaver at that point um, if something goes wrong. But then also too, because you were saying something about breathe, you can you can hold your breath for a minute on the surface. Um, it should be the same down at 100 feet. I think what you need to throw into that factor though is panic. You know, if somebody's panicking, you know, they might be like, oh, I can hold my breath for a minute. But then, you know, that that's, you know, the, the I think I'm not 100% sure that's why they got away from buddy breathing, but because it used to be standard practice across a lot of different agencies but if somebody's in a panic mode they're not going to give that regular they're not going to give that mouth they're going to be like oh okay i'm holding this um i think that's why even they've said like oh in a panic situation most people are just going to rip the rag out of your mouth because they see you breathing off of it hopefully you're more prepared for that but I, I don't know why I went back into that, but um, so either way, what I'm trying to say, there's always different circumstances, there's always different situations, um, but go with what works for you. Don't buy a used mattress. <laughs> <laughs> what if it works for them? Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're a college kid, shit, uh, trying to save some money, sorry, yeah. SH. All right. Well, good. And yeah, and I agree. I mean, I think the level of training type of diving that you do, I think it's always important to have an aligned team, whether it's a 40 foot dive or a, you know, 300 foot dive. But that being said, you're right in, in, in pan. I've had that. So I, I really didn't appreciate my critical skills training because they pointed to you and say in training, Hey, you're out. And the team's way over there. And the expectation is when when my instructor says you're out, I drop the the reg 
immediately, whether I'm half breath in, full breath, or I just exhaled, that thing needs to come out right then. Otherwise it's getting ripped out from my instructor. And then I gotta go find gas. And I remember having that feeling where it was probably, took me 20 seconds to finally get oh, my team's like a lot more. Like, yeah. attention. Cause he was actually testing the team in that particular scenario I'm just describing whether because they were not being aware and so they left me behind and, and there I am with no gas so it took me 20 25 seconds probably it felt like an eternity because I did feel that gas start to leave my lungs right and start to have that panic monkey even though I knew all I had to do is stick my necklace in it worked but I wasn't supposed to because we're in that critical skills training and bam it was it was stressful and, and you know by by standard uh you know we typically breathe around 0.5 cubic feet at rest per minute that at working swimming those sorts of things usually 0.75 and then industry standard kind of tells us that it's at one one cubic foot per minute when we're in an emergency so everything in that panic emergency goes up so you're right holding your breath for a minute sitting calmly under the the trees yeah. is not an indicator Zen. but it's a great exercise that I had to say, oh yeah, actually I, I can hold my breath that long. Whether I will in an emergency is another question, but it's possible. So it was a good piece of information for me. So I think it's a good point. The bottom line I think is Nick, Nick, what Nick and I are both saying is you need to train and be aligned as a team, no matter what technology you end up using. And the more training knowledge educated you become, the more confident of a diver. And in my view, the more uh, capable in terms of a thinking diver you become, the more that you can learn about these things and make decisions based on your diving, your preference, what you've learned, what you've trained and what you're trained to use, right? I think those things are really important. All right, so let's wrap this one up. I think we've, uh, we've covered this one. I'm sure we're gonna get some feedback from different folks about this subject because it, it does seem, I don't know if it's a big, topic in the scuba verse but i do think that if you're in a camp you're in that camp pretty solidly at least that's been my experience like there's not a lot of you and i's where we were able to straddle both worlds and and be okay with it i think some people are like vehemently no way and some people are vehemently like this is the future and i am the future you know <laughs> here we go so at the end of the day it's all about growing <laughs> yeah yeah and at the end of the day it's all about used mattresses so today we focused on the topic spgs versus transmitters we talked about what nick and i dive and a little bit of the reason behind why we do it that way we talked about the very technical differences as at least as technical as you and i can get on the subject and then we we rolled out a big list of pros and cons and and had the debate we want to hear from you. What is your opinion? What do you dive? Have you, you know, run into situations where you feel one is more reliable than the other one? Or do you have a reason that Nick and I aren't seeing uh, for your opinion on either an SBG or a transmitter? Reach out to us. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're right. doesn't matter. We want to hear from you. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to be part of our growing community, really simple to do. Go to www.thedivetable.com thousand things you can do on there probably not a thousand things there's things you can do on there there's a thousand like uh you know join a dive club um join us you know for our tuesday night dive table uh actual dives or subscribe to the newsletter subscribe to the podcast whatever you want to do so join us there and we really look forward to having you there nick any parting thoughts 
Well, I was just thinking the the into the future, and I'm wondering when are we gonna bring up the heads up display into the mix? <laughs> <laughs> Some guy tried to sell me that actually uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I see. I mean, I I definitely think it's gonna be something more incorporated into the future because now i mean that's it's right in front of your face you can't do anything but look at it yeah. you know but i mean I, I i i don't know much about those i just wanted to i just wanted to keep you thinking out there i haven't used one but i just go back to what was it the the google glasses or what, what they call uh, those are those things out the, um the massive fail that those things were oh, when really? they came out. i mean I, I think that's something i i could see i i didn't i knew that that was like a thing but i mean i could see it you know yeah, like but to, to my initial opinion it's it's just too much in front of my face to enjoy the dive like but that might not be the case because i've never used one it's just my thought i actually used a heads-up display in a rental car we had when we were in san diego and that was relatively interesting because you have information in two spots yeah and i was like where do i look which one do i look at and it was it wasn't i didn't find it like I want this, you yeah, know, when I get yeah, back, yeah. it was kind of like, eh, eh. you know, but who knows? It's it was kind of like when, it. when Apple went to the, the no button, you know, do you remember that the Apple, Apple users out there when they went to the no button, everyone's like, Oh, how do you get rid of the button? Now I'm like, when I have a button phone, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so out of it. I had a, I had a car that had a, a mechanical heads up display, had the hood tack. I don't know if you ever <laughs> seen those old cars. It was, it was an old firebird. I wow. missed that car, but yeah, I thought that I thought those were kind of funny, but I don't. I think those phased out pretty much too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for us in this episode. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to having you back on the next episode of the Dive Table. Peace out. The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.